on Broadway for Wednesday, November 1st, All Saints Day for us good old Catholics. Uh, 2017, I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. What What is All Saints Day? I, I mean, I, I went to Is it to like President's Day for Saints or what? Yes, we honor all of the presidents <laughs> yeah. on President's Day and honor all of the saints. Yes, I think that's what my uh, third grade teacher, Mrs. Real, taught us in religion class. Yes, I think that's correct. Um, <laughs> now, James, you and I are both um, what uh, former Catholic. I mean, do, I don't know what's the right word. Uh, relapsed, relapsed Catholic. I don't know. Anyway, um, we should know these things. So last night, James, the first preview performance of the out-of-town tryout for Mean Girls took place at Washington, D.C.'s National Theater. Your former friend and my new BFF and Buckeye fan, Debbie Schrager, was in <laughs> attendance. So I was like, Who, I, who's my former friend? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, your former friend. Um, <laughs> but I'm hoping that we get some reports about Mean Girls, either from Debbie or someone else, or, you know, I'll be trolling the uh, Broadway World message boards because that's actually part of my job. But uh, hopefully there'll be some good reports about this. I'm really excited to see how this goes and with the people behind it, including the great Tina Fey and I love Nell Benjamin. Um, I'm really hoping that this uh, lives up to everybody's expectations. I'm excited to hear about Mean Girls. Uh, It seems as though that um, it is going to be a very much look forward to production and hey did you know peter marks had a great uh <laughs> stop it i couldn't, stop couldn't it. even get it out I <laughs> feature story oh. in the yeah. washington post yeah and we really are like a married couple you never listen to what i, I don't say know what you mean did not, you not the... only that oh sorry did, <laughs> did you... on your not only the what not only that. To say not only that, not only do you not listen, I actually give you everything I'm going to say written out, and you still don't remember it. Well, that's because I don't read it. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> did 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 uh, the Shrakes, uh Did she copy you on the email that she sent to to us? I can't remember about the Ohio State thing. Um, just that her husband is a Columbus native, but she and him both went to the other Penn College. I'm I know it, it's not only not only did she take Ohio State's thing, but she did the Penn slash Penn Slate slight uh, to <laughs> to the oh. folks who who attended the non Ivy League school. Yeah, I was say it's an Ivy League school. They they're always better than all of us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we <laughs> should move on. Um, first up in the news, the. Moulin Rouge musical finds its stars for a developmental lab. Yeah, James, yesterday it was announced that big time Broadway stars Aaron Tveit and Karen Olivo were attached to the developmental lab currently in progress for the stage adaptation of the movie musical Moulin Rouge. The pair are playing Christian and Satine, respectively the roles played by Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman in the film. Alex Timbers is directing and Sonia Taya is choreographing. Tony winner John Logan is writing the book. According to a press release, the world premiere engagement, quote, will be announced soon. But James, putting aside the fact that Tony winner Karen Olivo is supposedly, whatever that means, I mean, she retired and then like four months later did the off-center production of Tick, Tick, Boom with Leslie Odom Jr. and Lennon Miranda. But anyway, um, she supposedly retired. But just a few days ago, like on Monday's show, we talked about the fact that she was slated to play Allison in a Madison, Wisconsin production of Fun Home. Now, the dates for that 
production have not yet been announced. They just said it will be sometime during the 2018-2019 season. And part of that could be uh, working around any potential commitments with this project. But it could also mean that perhaps Olivo's only anticipating being a part of this show through the developmental process. Perhaps maybe they have another actress in mind for the role, but she wasn't available. Um, I, I don't know if that's likely since they sent out a big press release about it. A lot of times developmental labs happen and we never hear anything about them. So I would imagine if they're sending out a press release touting Tevate and Olivo that they want her to be attached as long as possible. But it just seems odd that this supposedly retired actress finishes up a six months or so long run in Chicago's Hamilton. Then we find out she's doing a local production of fun home. Then we find out she's leading a developmental lab of a potentially big time Broadway musical with an upcoming premiere engagement. Um, I'm just not sure what to make of all of this. I've, I've said many, many times I am a huge Karen Olivo fan, so I'm have no problem with it. It just seems weird to me, James. I don't know, maybe Karen might have stepped back and then got a little taste back with the Hamilton, and uh, maybe she is ready for Karen Olivo V2. Yeah, 2.0. Yeah, 2. I like 0. it. I mean, look, yeah, I'm all for it. Either one, V2, works too. Um, I'm all for it. I mean, I think she would be great for this role. I love the, the Baz Luhrmann Moulin Rouge film. That was a go-to for many a karaoke song during my college days. Um, I think she would be great as uh, uh, as Satine. I, I hope this comes to fruition because clearly with Tevate and Levo, they are not going the movie star route with people who can sing fairly well but aren't great. These two are legit upper echelon A-plus voices. Um, so I think this will be great. I hope that these two remain attached to whenever this world premiere production is, whether it's on Broadway or not. But, you know, I, I, I think about poor Natalie going back to uh, Wisconsin to go see uh, Fun Home. Will Karen Lebo <laughs> well, do it or not? <laughs> Well, it depends on the timing, but I would imagine if they announced these things so close together that that's probably been in uh, the considerations for whenever that fun home production happens. Because different theater companies are always well versed in coordinating their schedules. All right. (laughs) (laughs) What's up with the show and casting news? All right. Yesterday, Gordon Cox of Variety reported that the Temptations musical Ain't Too Proud that has been pleasing audiences all over the West Coast here uh, in the last few months will not look to come to Broadway this spring, citing James's favorite thing, a shortage of appropriate theaters. In the article, one of the show's producers, Ira Pittleman, said, quote, getting a theater for the spring is not going to be easy. So it'll be the fall. However, rather than let the show lie dormant for the better part of a year, producers are lining up another production in the U.S. for either the summer or early fall 2018, leading up to their eventual Broadway bow. As we've discussed here, James, before, the show got strong but not quite rave reviews uh, when it opened in California. Many noting that the show's book writer, Dominique Moriso, needs some more time to tighten the script, which is based on um, a memoir and then also a a mini TV miniseries that was based on the memoir, needs to tighten that up a little bit to add to the pop that the Great Temptation songbook has. Of course, 
anything can can change. Uh, but with the temptation seemingly out of the way, Michael Riedel followed up with a column of his own in the New York Post about other shows that could potentially swoop in and take theaters this spring. Much of what he wrote was conjecture and just citing producers that are working on the show and trying to figure out what theaters will fit. He does mention a few theaters that he thinks could be in the running for a uh, for a musical come before the Tony eligibility deadline, including the Nederlander, the Hudson and the court. He does think that shows like The Honeymooners, which closed out of town on Sunday, Summer, the Donna Summer musical, which will open at the La Jolla Playhouse next month, and then even Town, which is getting ready for production in Edmonton this fall, could potentially find their way into a Broadway theater before the eligibility cutoff at the end of April. Now, James, really quick, I, I have to say um, tangential only to the fact that we're talking about Town. I listened to the live cast album of that show, and holy crap – is that incredible? I really, really hope that the show comes to town in the spring because that will be at the top of my list for my spring trip to see, not, you know, notwithstanding the three shows that I've already got tickets to, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I'm really excited to see what happens with this one because it's the, the cast recording is fantastic. But back to the shows that could come in the spring, James, if Riedel's three shows that he posits there, The Honeymooners, The Donna Summer Musical, and Hadestown, if you had to bet an amount of money that was meaningful to you, whether it's a dollar or a million dollars, if you had to bet that amount of money on just one of these three coming to Broadway this spring, which one would it be? The Donna Summer Musical. You think that's the most likely to come in short order? Yeah, I think that's probably the easiest thing to raise money for. Uh, in short order, it's got a high-profile thing. So it's got built-in audience. Hades Town, no big stars in it. Tough story to to sell. Mm -hmm. I saw it down at New York Theater Workshop. I, I liked it, um, but it's tough to sell. Honeymooners got the big name in it, but it had middling reviews, and uh, and I'm not sure that they really have money behind it. But the, I would think Donna Summer. I, I think you're probably right. You know, Riedel in his article notes that it got a huge old negative review from Variety, but got a warm review from The Times. Um, you know, Honeymooners has a great cast attached to it, so that might get people excited. But if I had to guess on one, I, I think Summer the Donna Summer musical um, is probably the most likely as well. So moving on to some other news here, James, yesterday, Playwrights Horizons announced the cast for their upcoming world premiere of Robert O'Hara's new play, Mankind. This is this is a fun one. We'll talk about this in a second. The show will star Tony nominee and Emmy winner Andre DeShields and will feature Bobby Moreno, Anson Mount, Steven Schnitzer, Ariel Schaefer and David Ryan Smith. The show begins performances on December 15th and is scheduled to run through January 28th. Get ready for this one. In the show, Mark and Jason are keeping things casual until Jason gets pregnant. But however unplanned the pregnancy was, nothing could be less expected than the chain of events it would set in motion. The play, apparently, James, is an allegory which envisions a future in which women have long gone extinct from centuries of mistreatment and where man's capacity to F everything up soars to new heights. Unfortunately, James, reading the news lately, this sounds unbelievably feasible, depressingly realistic to me. Um, but this one sounds really interesting. And, and um, 
Robert O'Hare has had a great track record off Broadway. He had booty candy a few years ago. So this one sounds really cool. And then finally in this show and casting section, James, yesterday was announced that the Grateful Dead musical Red Roses Green Gold had been extended through January 7th of 2018 at the Minetta Lane Theater. James, I'm not much of a deadhead, but I could definitely go for some Cherry Garcia right about now. (laughs) You know uh, where Cherry Garcia is made? Um, I would imagine Vermont, right? Well, it was developed at the Penn State Creamery, the uh, best ice cream developmental plant on the earth. That's all you've got to hang your hat on. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's ice cream. Don't go <laughs> there. That's that's the only thing you actually care about in life <laughs> is uh, is ice cream and donuts. <laughs> I think ice cream more than donuts. All right. Yeah. Next up in the news. O'Hara, who is this O'Hara we speak of? Tveit Hoffman Bloom tapped for American Songbook at Lincoln Center. Yeah, James, yesterday the 19th season of Lincoln Center's American Songbook series was announced. The season, which opens in January, will feature Broadway stars Jackie Hoffman on January 25th, James, your BFF, Stu, and the Negro Problem on February 7th. <laughs> Note. No tweets or emails, please. Uh, the aforementioned Aaron Tveit on February 9th. The songs of Scott Frankel and Michael Corey featuring the erstwhile Kelly O'Hara, never been a guest on Broadway radio, uh, along with Julian Ovendine uh, on February 17th. And then the season will also feature some theater tangential stars like Rachel Bloom, the star and creator and writer of the CW's musical comedy drama Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She will be performing along with her musical partner and former Fountains of Wayne bassist Adam Schlesinger. You like you like you love Fountains of Wayne? Love Fountains of Wayne, yeah. Yeah, they're going to be performing on February 10th. And then singer and songwriter and film score composer Randy Newman will be performing on March 26th. There's some others um, in there as well. Rosanna Cash is going to perform. The Blind Boys of Alabama, I think that's their name, um, are going to be in there as well. I think Jack White maybe from the White Stripes. I'm not 100% sure on that one, but um, I don't really follow popular music. But so uh, definitely a great series over at the uh, the Apple Room there. Um, so yeah, James, I, maybe if you go to the Frankel and Corey performance, maybe you can get Kelly O'Hara to actually talk to us for once. I'm telling you, I'm only going to request from a press rep two or 300 more times that Kelly come on before I get up. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> Okay, we'll let that one go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Shana Taub named as the Fred Ebb Award winner. Yeah, James, this is awesome. Yesterday, the Fred yeah. Ebb Foundation, in association with the Roundabout Theater Company, announced that it will present the 13th annual Fred Ebb Award for aspiring musical theater songwriters to Shana Taub. The award will be presented by two-time Tony winner Brian Stokes Mitchell on Monday, November 27th. You know, it's interesting, James, we see, we've seen a lot of this lately, but Taub is an actress as well as a writer. She was in the original off-Broadway production in, back in 2013 of Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. She played Mary. Then she was also in the off-Broadway production of Hadestown. But most recently, I think we've talked about her 
more so um, when she's been getting this huge universal acclaim for writing the music and lyrics to the public theater Shakespeare in the Park public works productions. Um, and those have been so well loved in her and she performs in them as well. Um, but the writing for those has been such it's gotten such great reviews that this just seems awesome. She's been doing great work at the Delacorte as well as in the Bill Irwin I don't know, clown show old hats, which she also performed in Rodin. It's on Broadway HD, BT dubs. Check it out. It's very good. And I feel like James, she's one of those people that is right in line to have a big hit in New York. She's done great work. It'd be nice to see her get a big production of some shows she's written, whether it's off Broadway at a, at a commercial space or a nonprofit thing, and then maybe making it to Broadway as well, because she seems like she's got the goods to be the next big thing. Matt, the way you talk about her, I think of you, you're her mother. <laughs> I've never met her. I don't know her at all. But uh, Shayna Tobb is great. She's gonna she's gonna do the next big Broadway show. No, I'm, I'm just making fun of you. But of course, she's an amazing, amazing talent, and I'm so excited. I I did not see the news passed by the transom today that she won the Fred Fred Ebb. That's great. All right, what do we have in the in the uh, recommendation section? All right, James, we've got three things, and I'm just going to go through them real quickly here. The first, um, as we talked about last week, the uh, indomitable stage and screen star Robert Guillaume passed away uh, at the age of 89 last week due to complications with prostate cancer. His former boss, I guess, uh, Aaron Sorkin, penned a beautiful tribute to him in Variety that talked about the times that they worked together on Sports Night. Um, for all of the qualms you can have about uh, Aaron Sorkin, it's very clear that he loved uh, Robert Guillaume and and he definitely meant something to him. So if you want to, I don't know, maybe shed a tear or 10 uh, reading that one at your desk, uh, we'll have that link in the show notes as well. And then, James, something you sent over um, on Fresh Air, Terry Gross talked with um, – I guess he's now a big TV star, if you count Netflix's TV. Jonathan Groff talking about his roles not only in Hamilton and and Frozen, but also as the FBI profiler kind of guy in the new Netflix series Mindhunter. You've you've listened to this, or is this just in your queue to check out at some point? Oh no, I listened to it, and uh, Groff gets uh, Terry uh, Gross to sing. She sings. Oh. <laughs> she she makes the uh, comparison to uh, uh, the monkeys' "Daydream Believer" and "You'll Be Back," uh, and yeah. he and he gets her to sing a verse of it because he's like, "Oh, I don't really remember that. Why don't you sing it a little bit, Terry?" And she's like, "No, no, 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 no." And he gets her to sing. It's great, and she's wonderful. I love Terry Gross and Fresh Air and Groff Sauce on it. It was just a perfect afternoon uh, respite. That's good, because this last story is not. <laughs> mm. um, your uh, your new friend, Mark Hirschberg, from over at Forbes, has an article that's kind of updating us on a story that we've talked about once or twice before. If you remember, uh, 
I think it was last year, James, we, we talked about a lawsuit that was coming against Hamilton from a plaintiff named Paul McGann. He um, is a deaf and blind man who is suing Hamilton in federal appellate court over the fact that they did not provide tactile interpretation services for him when he saw the show, which he cites as a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Now, Paul McGann is no stranger to bring, bringing suits like this. He previously sued the national movie chain Cinemark over the fact that they did not have uh, tactile interpreters for him when he went and saw the film Gone Girl. Um, if you're not familiar with these law, according to Hirschberg, quote, the law requires places open to the public, such as movie theaters, to, quote, take such steps as may be necessary to ensure that no individual with a disability is excluded, denied services, segregated, or otherwise treated differently than other individuals because of the absence of auxiliary aids and services. Yet, when providing the accommodation would fundamentally alter the service already being offered or pose an undue burden on the business, it is not required. Now, Cinemark argued that, one, the auxiliary the auxiliary aids did not include uh, tactile interpreters because that's not auxiliary. It's something additional. The court struck that down. Then they said – that they they argued that um, having somebody do some sort of tactile interpretation of the film fundamentally altered the product where bookstores are not required to provide braille versions of every book for uh, for customers because that would alter the actual fundamental I don't know product the the sensual product um, of the the bookstore the court said that having a tactile interpreter would not impact the presentation of the film. So they lost there. They had strike one and strike two. The current part that is still being litigated is the fact that hiring two tactile interpreters would cost at least $260 for each person. Now, when a movie ticket costs on average $8.85, Cinemark is arguing that that's an undue burden placed onto the business. Now, because of what we've already known from the first two attempts from Cinemark uh, that have been overturned, a lot of lawyers are saying that McGann probably has a slam dunk in suing not only Hamilton, but any Broadway theater that he goes to that does not have these services available, potentially racking up tons of, of, of damages because – they just don't – I mean it's not something that they would do on a regular basis. So I don't know about you, James, but there's something very understandable about this. And there's also something that feels very slimy about this. It feels like McGann and his lawyers are exploiting this specifically for the financial benefit of it. And perhaps they think that they are doing it to raise consciousness on the issue. But it just seems like they are purposely going to these things – for the purpose of being able to sue at a later date. Yeah, that's kind of the system we live in uh, right I now. Huh, I, I don't know. I, I I feel for both sides of this argument, and absolutely. Uh, and I think to myself, can Broadway Radio be sued? We do not provide a tactile, <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> You know. I don't know. I don't know what it applies to. I don't know how much that applies to it, but it just um, it's rough. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a it's a really rough thing. I think, you know, especially in theater. I mean, look, it's they're all businesses, but I think people, especially in theater, genuinely want to do 
the right thing and want to accommodate as many people as possible and want to make things, you know, within reason as, um, you know, available to as many people as you can, no matter what their specific situation is. But at some point, if you're paying $260 to have two people interpret something for you when the cost is so much less, at, at, at where does that stop? So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I want everybody to be able to experience the theater in whatever form that their situation allows. But it just seems like this is uh, I don't know. It, it feels like an overreach to me, but I am by no means a lawyer or a disability expert. Um, so I, I you know, it's just my gut reaction here. Well, you know, if Paul McGann wants to go see Daddy Longlegs, he should be able to. Uh, it's on Broadway, Broadway HD. So if he, uh, you know, maybe Sue Stewart. And... <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, another interesting, great story brought to us by uh, Mark Hirschberg. And uh, Mark, I have a story for you. I have to call you. So, uh, Matt, why don't Ooh. you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter at BWV Matt. And subscribe to Sound Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And I hope you like the Ohio State song that is currently playing right now. Oh, is it? Oh. It is. It's in, it's in Dropbox. It's Wednesday. I only have two more days of this, right? And my name is James. Mar- <laughs> my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Wednesday with us. Uh, Thursday is tomorrow, so come on back and we'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.